Welcome to the Christian Marauder as we continue our study in Revelations chapter 16, entitled, God Unleashes Hell. Folks, I have never seen anything like what's going on in the United States today. I have seen, historically, through the historical records, things like this happening in 1917 in Russia. I've seen it historically happen in Cuba. I've seen it historically happen in Vietnam. I've seen it historically happen in North Korea. I've seen it historically happen in China, but never in the United States. And Revelations chapter 16 actually helps us understand why we are seeing what we are seeing today. The Apostle Paul wrote about the coming Antichrist in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This might help explain what we are witnessing today on a worldwide scale, a time when the mystery of lawlessness has fully come upon us. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7 says out of the New King James, For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Well, folks, who restrains? Who's that? The only one that can restrain is the Holy Spirit who, who resides in God's truly born-again people. It appears we are fast approaching this very point today when lawlessness increases. Folks, there is a principle found throughout the Bible. Any nation that crosses the boundaries that God has established, he actually will destroy. He'll unleash hell against them. Ancient Israel is filled with examples of this concerning their crossing the boundary lines God designed for their protection, not oppression. As you read the Old Testament, you will discover over and over again God's own people crossing that boundary line, while God pleaded for their return. We see their willing rejection in the, in the Old Testament over and over again. After that, God relinquished them over and turned them over to their own depravity to be ruled by their enemies. We see the faithful, righteous suffering along with the guilty, just like Daniel and his three friends suffered. So the question is why? Well, folks, this is something the spiritual foe knows all too well. Jesus warns of this in John 10.10, 10, speaking of a thief who does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And in John 8.44, Jesus tells us how the devil is a murderer from the beginning and a liar, a swindler, a very cunning, crafty propagandist. Satan has his principalities, powers, rules of darkness, and spiritual host of weakness in heavenly places. These entities are not for humanity. They are the foes, just like Paul wrote about in Ephesians 6.12. They seek to destroy humanity, take away from us our birthright, and have us become recipients of hell in the afterlife. This is achieved by making humanity believe a lie, that we don't need God at all because we can simply replace him even without knowing it, even in the church. Folks, the spiritual foe knows this, understanding that God is a just God and knows that God will punish humanity when certain boundaries are crossed because God's justice demands it for God to be absolutely just. So lawlessness is the tool they use to make it all happen. That's why Paul wrote what he said. Lawlessness will increase and then the appearing of the lawless one will happen. So there will be a period of time where lawlessness will be stirred up to a fervent pitch. And then the evil one, the beast of Revelation, will appear. The lies that the serpent spews out of his mouth causes people to cross the boundaries that God meant for our protection, not oppression. The devil ends up selling these protective boundaries as oppressive and wants to replace them with lawlessness as freedom. Balaam, for example, was restrained by God from cursing Israel back in the book of Numbers and end up blessing the children of Israel instead. However, he motivated the king Barak to send forth his occult high priestess and women to seduce the men of Israel away from God and into false religious systems, knowing that God would be obligated to destroy them out of his absolute sense of justice. That illustrates how the devil works in this principle I'm telling you about how it works to a T. Therefore, folks, the mystery of lawlessness that, that is already at work in the world works the same way in the same principles, so that the restraining hand of God is released off of any nation or even his own people who are seduced to accept lawlessness as a new norm. Then God unleashes hell. I actually think Jesus knew all this as he wept in the garden before the crucifixion, 
I know that the message of the cross and resurrection is our call back to him of repentance. And there will come a time when lawlessness will re increase so bad that people will even reject the gospel message. In fact, the meaning of the biblical number 11 defines what the mystery of lawlessness looks like. It actually does. The number 11 means the mystery of darkness that extols irresponsibility of breaking God's moral law and order by means of creating fear, disorder, chaos, all caused by justifying sin, depravity, failures that replace God, which leads to God's judgment. And that is the definition of the number 11 in a nutshell, and it explains the mystery of lawlessness and the mystery of darkness, because they're one of the same thing. God's judgment begins by turning people over to a reprobate mind, relinquishing them over to their own depravity, just as Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32 says. In other words, God lets loose hell on earth. He has to to maintain his justice and restore things back to normal again. This is what we see happening in Revelation chapter 16, the beginning of the unleashing of hell on earth. In fact, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 describes the state of the end-time church as made up of seven different types of people, two which hold fast to Jesus, the church of Smyrna and the church of Philadelphia. They hold fast to Jesus. They're not called to repent, just to overcome. But the other five, not so much. They replace Christ Jesus as Lord of the church with other things. Let's put this in perspective. Five out of seven Christians have fallen for the mystery of darkness at work in the world near the time of the end. These lost their salt and they have covered their light. They are called to repent. Who will and who will not still remains to be seen, folks. I was sent an interesting prayer that was prayed in the Kansas State by Minister Joe Wright. And I want to read his prayer to you because it illustrates why we're seeing lawlessness increase. Just listen to the prayer. And he said, and I quote, Heavenly Father, we come before you today and ask your forgiveness to seek your direction and guidance. We know your word says, Woe to those who call evil good. But that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We have ridiculed absolute truth of your word and called it pluralism. We have worshipped other gods and called it multiculturalism. We have endorsed perversion and called it alternative lifestyles. We have exploited the poor and called it the lottery. We have rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We have killed our unborn and called it choice. We have shot abortionists and called it justifiable. We have neglected to discipline our children and called it building self-esteem. We have abused power and called it politics. We have embezzled public funds and called it essential expenses. We have institutionalized bribery and called it the sweets of office. We have coveted our neighbor's possessions and called it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity, pornography, and called it freedom of expression. We have ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and, and set us free. Amen. End quote. After Joe Wright prayed this prayer, many of the people in the state senate got up and left. The church is responsible for what is happening in the world. So we have hid the light of Christ and replaced him with other things. We have lost our preserving power of salt. And thus, as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, salt is cast out and trampled underfoot on the road folks, we are being trampled on. Recall that the end-time church has seven types of people in it, like I just said. True group, two groups of these people remain loyal to God's house. The other five have not. Thus, they bought the lie of lawlessness so that both the righteous and the profane will experience the very depravity of the profane ruling the land, uh, relinquishing people over to their enemies. Judgment begins in the house of God first when five out of seven Christians have replaced God, remember? And those that repent may have to join the martyred church of Smyrna till their number is fulfilled in Bible prophecy. But only one group is promised to escape all this by God's own right hand. Before that escape comes, the message to the seven churches will go forth. After that, the world is turned over to the evil one whose desire is to destroy humanity by lawlessness. And God is withdrawing his hand. The seven seals are going to be unleashed. 
the seven trumpets will sound and the seven bowls of wrath will be revealed in due time upon humanity who is sold out to the murderous lies of the devil who came to kill rob and destroy them thinking that this is freedom in fact exodus chapter 12 12 speaks a principle here it, it speaks of the last plague of egypt against all the gods of egypt this same pattern is in play in Revelation chapter 16 concerning the seven bowls of God's wrath being directed against the fallen watchers, as well as all those yoked with their ideas, doctrines, and theories. These entities are revealed in the Baal cycle, or the Baal cycle, by the five elemental spirits that I spoke about in episode 18. That their whole purpose is to chop up God's existing order and remake humanity. And by how? By teaching humanity how to cross the line. So how do they do that? Well, folks, we live in a world where little boys are told that they are girls and girls boys, right? We live in a world where evil is now called good and evil is now redefined as the greatest evil. Where justice, truth, and mercy is, is ridiculed and mocked and scorned. We have mixing of species. We have transhumanism on the agenda and on the horizon as a new goal to reshape humanity. Yet we live in a world that reverses common sense godly values, that ridicules absolute truth in exchange for pluralism and multiculturalism. A world that endorses perversion and calls it alternative lifestyles, that exploits the poor for gain, a world that re rewards laziness and calls it welfare. A world that justifies killing the unborn as a choice. A world that teaches any discipline, common sense, and reason is very offensive and needs extermination. A world that it covets others' possessions without remorse, calling it social justice and redistribution. A world that redefines freedom of expression as profanity, pornography, drunkenness, and censorship as freedom. A world that ridicules time-honored values and places them with empty slogans that can't feed you. We live in a world where churches have replaced Jesus Christ with angel encounters, heavenly visitations, and how to get rich quick schemes. We have where they replace Christ with age of the earth doctrines. If you don't believe like they do, you know, slit your throat. They don't want you. And folks, we live in a world where five of the seven churches have replaced Christ, folks. And this is serious stuff. Others have replaced it with dominionist theology, folks replace Jesus with dominionism. We have dead churches who have a, they're very busy, but they're very seeker sensitive and they don't really preach the gospel. They don't at all. They replace Jesus with another Jesus that doesn't even exist. You have the last group of people there called the Laodiceans who are rich and in need of nothing. It's all about prosperity. What's in it for me? Me, 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 me now. We have sinker-sensitive stuff, all replacing Jesus. We have church growth models that have replaced Jesus. We have all this stuff in the church, and you don't think it's going to have an effect. We have replaced the gospel. So there's only two groups of people in the church. If you're in one of those groups, the Martyr Church or the Philadelphia, I'm not talking to you. Well, folks, i got to say this. Hell is unleashed on earth, and God is now removing his hand. We are on the threshold on a worldwide scale of this getting ready to happen. If God so wills, he can restrain it and stop it for a while, but this is where we're heading there one way or another. We're seeing it unfold in our own country right now. It's happening in Australia, the UK. It's happening all over the place. China is behind a lot of this. This is big tech censorship coming down the pike. Man, oh man, oh man. Wake up, smell the coffee for it, and then stop listening to lying prophets. That's all I got to say. In fact, Revelation chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 says, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the bowls of wrath of God on the earth. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 1, these are seven bowls of God's wrath. This is it. He is going to unleash hell on earth. Verse 2 says, So the first angel went out and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome sore came upon men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. I can go through all the commentaries and parrot what people say, but I'm going to let you go into commentaries. I'm sticking with those. I do believe they're right, but I'm just going to say there's something that seems to be missing in many of them. Not all of them. Some people brought this out. The first, and this is what I brought about 
earlier on when I began this series on Revelation. The first four seals, the first four trumpets, the first four bowls all share something in common. Then bowls five and six are related to each other. And then there is a pause, and then the seventh uh, seal, bowl, trumpet is, is sounded. So what we see is a four, two, pause, one pattern. It's sort of a, it's sort of a, a rhythm to this. There's a four, two, pause, one pattern that I mentioned before here. So in Revelation chapter 16, we see it, the world that is now fully under the control of the forces of hell. Most of humanity loves it. The world's elites who believe the lies sold to them by the devil's top commanders who control all the world's resources are on the throes and are now enslaving humanity. And they are beginning to reshape what it means to be human. They have now crossed the protective boundaries God has set forth just like the Baal cycle teaches humanity. They want to slay God's order and design and remake a new world from the chopped up parts of the old. They want to build it back better, baby. The old gods are known as Re and Set, have joined forces in the Baal cycle. The arrow is in the bow, ready to shoot in order to destroy the system. The cult of Klaus Schwab and the, of the World Economic Forum and the occult world has done its job using the mystery of lawlessness. So God removes what restrains them. The seven trumpets, if you recall, took care of one-third of the world's resources and population. The elites and the Antichrist will use this to their benefit for their own version of a great reset. They are now on the throes in Revelation chapter 16 of actualizing a brave new world. They got the population reduced. That was one of their goals. So now one-third of their resources, one-third of uh, the population has been reduced. Let's look at Revelation chapter 16, verse 2. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul, loathsome sores came upon men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. The first four bowls describe and are related to what's necessary for life on earth. And it is possible the symbolism in these verses is against the fallen watchers who think these belong to them, teach that philosophy to the world's elites, and spread that mentality to that ruthless class that John F. Kennedy warned us about. There is the word earth used in that verse. From the earth comes loathsome sores on those who have the mark of the beast and who worship his name. What are those sores? Some people call them boils. Some of them call ulcers. Whatever they are, they come upon them. So folks, I want you to look at something a little out of the box here. Just look at it. Uh, as this is a mystery of lawlessness and the mystery of lawlessness always revolves around it the principalities powers host of wickedness in the heavenly places like paul writes about we're in the spiritual warfare well folks mother earth in greek mythology is called gaia called mother earth mother earth is an elemental spirit the world glorifies gaia along with health and beauty if you can take care of her from the earth Sores come upon humanity that are in league with Satan. Get the picture here. The elites who worship the earth and push, push that worship of the earth, you know, save the planet mentality, kill a baby crowd along with this entity, find out here when this is poured out upon them, they do not control the earth. And so goes all their promises of health planned to reset, remake humanity by taking care of Gaia. Mother Earth is totally shattered here. Because if you take care of the planet, the planet takes care of you, and, and the Gaia spirit's supposed to give you health and beauty, and everything's supposed to be wonderful and hunky-dory. You're in a new Aquarian age, so forth, etc. Well, did you know that the ancient mythology of Gaia is that Gaia birthed the water gods of the sea and fresh water? I bet you didn't realize that, that Gaia, according to the ancient mythology, is the one who gave birth to the water gods of the sea and fresh water. These might possibly be alluded to in the symbolisms of water used in verses 3 and 4. I'm not making this up. Just think for a second. Revelation chapter 16 verse 3. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died. That's pretty heavy. 
In Greek lore, this is known as Neptune, and known in the Mesopotamian lore as the goddess Nama, of the cosmic subterranean waters of the cosmic ocean, and Nama was known as an asexual god or an androgynous being. Nama was known as the original mother of the gods of the universe, who goes by other names too, mother of the titans, the creator of the titans. It's possible this entity may have been involved in the development of the Nephilim. Just let your mind wonder on that. I can't prove that one way or another, but it's quite probable. And I got to go back to the occult worship of a new age of Aquarius to happen. It's because Aquarius ushers in the new golden dawn, when all will happen, when we'll have a brave new world. So they have chopped up God's order and design and going to reshape it in a new image and likeness. That's the idea of the age of Aquarius that occultists have, in a very simplistic fashion, I might add. Did you know that the 2020 winter solstice that happened in December 25th, 2020, do you know the significance of that? There were two planets, right? Jupiter and, and um, Saturn lined up. That happens about every 800 years. Did you know that this winter solstice ushered in the age of Aquarius? Did you know that in 2015, the UN Agenda 2030 came about and, and is about all about creating a new utopia. This is shown in their 14th symbol of the ocean or the waters. It's a, it's, a, it's a water symbol of a wiggly lines of the water. And in fact, there's a picture of John Podesta with a number 14 written on his hand and a fish symbol and standing before the sign of uh, this water figure. The symbol 14 in the UN Agenda 2030, and that represents the age of Aquarius. So I find it very interesting that this symbol was used in Agenda 2030 is tied into the age of Aquarius. And the age of Aquarius that they've been looking for just happened. They had the two planets line up. These people are gung-ho, and they pull out no stops in order to achieve it. It doesn't matter to them. They lie, cheat, or steal. They're going to do it because they're on a religious mandate, a crusade to make it happen. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 4, the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. In Mesopotamian mythology, the god of fresh water was Enki, who resides in the ocean of fresh water in what is known as the Abus, or the Abyss. Enki's role was to make lands fertile, and help civilizing its cities, and also known as the god of wisdom, magic, and incantation, who is called the protector of humanity and a lot more than I can go into right now. It is possible that what we're seeing here in the imagery in Revelation, it's possible, I'm presenting this as a hypothesis, is God's pouring out his wrath on this entity's control over mankind who believe the lies of making a new civilized world and rewarding those who follow after their practices with life occult giving waters of wisdom. The elites are into making a brand new civilization by use of superior wisdom and technical know-how and occultic rites and rituals to ensure this brand of wisdom comes by their idea of water will quench in all human thirst, all human desires, all human uh, Fantasies of health and wealth and prosperity will be achieved, will quench their thirst, thus replacing Jesus Christ as the dispensers of living water, the Holy Spirit. In Revelation chapter 16, verse verses 5 and 6, we hear the angel saying this, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. Let me stop here and interject. This is a different angel. This is the angel who pours out the bowl of wrath. So the angel that pours out the bowl of wrath in the water says, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is, who was, and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets. You have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord, God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Well, folks, what he's saying, justice has finally come upon the elites who want to chop up God's order, get rid of his people, get rid of all vestiges of him, and use the parts to put back 
build back a better world. That's no other way to say it. That's exactly the Baal cycle. That's exactly the ancient mythology creation myth. That exactly outlines the devil's schemes. It outlines the very plans of the world economic form. It all lines up. It all lines up, man. Build back better. Revelation chapter 16 verses 8 and 9 says this, Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the power was given to him to scorch men with fire. Get that. This judgment may be a symbol against the occult world's third elemental fire. Remember, just like it says in Exodus chapter 12, the God issues forth this type of wrath against the gods of Egypt. He's going to do this against the elemental spirits and the principalities that are controlling the world. The principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, and the host of wickedness in heavenly places. This is where the bowls of wrath are also being poured out. Okay, He's unleashing hell on earth for a reason, and I'll explain that in a second. So this is a judgment against the third elemental spirit that the occult world worships, fire. A Babylonian god list, known in the Degenolac list, I call it the Degenolac list, I may not be pronouncing that right, it points out that there were originally two gods of fire and light, known as Gira and, and Gaibil. Gira and Gaibil, G-I-B-I-L, both became blended together over time. That's what that uh, list goes on to tell you in other commentaries and, and PhD types have, have said. Gira was the fire god and worked in conjunction with Marduk, Ea, and Shamash-Yutu. Basically, uh, the, a dragon, the mother earth, and Shamash, the sun deity, the sun god, and was involved in fire purification rituals brick-making, forging of metals, which is the modern equivalent today would be technology that's forged by fire to make a brave new world happen through uh, making components in computers, making a great surveillance system, so forth, etc. It's about industry, forging by fire. The use of fire and metal-making are involved in making computers, like I said. They're used in bioelectrical components that you can place in your hand, like to re replace an artificial limb. Um, they're also used to purge and cleanse and refine and help civilize life be civilized. In other words, to build back a better world, you know. I find it interesting how both fire and sun are mentioned in Revelation chapter 16 and verses 8 and 9. Maybe this is judgment on both the fire god who helps the sun deity make the bricks used to purify everybody and build a new world order. The sun deity would also be the Antichrist whom the fifth bowl of wrath is going to be poured out upon. So right now, and I find this all interesting, the symbolism is just outstanding, pointing out this stuff to me, and I'm seeing it, I'm going, you know, very few people have seen this. Some others have, and they have wrote, written commentaries, I'm not the only one, but I just find it fascinating that not enough people are talking about this. But listen again to Revelation 16, verses 8 and 9. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. In verse 9, And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. I find that interesting. God had power over the plagues. What happened? These entities created a lawlessness where people replaced Jesus with other things in the church. You know, it's created a state of lawlessness, folks. And now God has relinquished them over to their foes. God has unleashed hell on earth. He's going to let the enemy do what they want to do with humanity. Their original intents and purposes is to rob, kill, and destroy, murder, and lie to humanity. And that's going to be exposed to human beings themselves. They're going to see that these entities and these beings and Mother Earth and all the stuff that they worship hates them and wants them dead. So God's pitting the nature and character of evil against itself in humanity is what's happening. They were scorched with great heat, verse 9 says, and they blasphemed the name of God who has power over these things and did not repent. They're still going to rely on the Antichrist and all that. This is amazing to me, but it follows human nature, doesn't it? Look at our own political systems around the world today. We see people blindly following a template that leads to absolute devastation of families 
devastation of economies, it's devastation and ruin and chaos. Why? Because they want to build back everything better. The world is totally under the control of tyrants right now of tech, under the control of tyrants of big industry, pharmacia, bankers, and their ideas is to make a new world order. And so people are totally under the spell of lies to sell themselves to the Antichrist, sell themselves to the ruling elite class who promised them health, wealth, peace, and prosperity. Look, we own it all. We have all the world's resources. It's all yours. If you, you're, you, know, you just come and take it, it's yours. We have open borders. Everything is beautiful. We control it all. Ha, ha, ha. There is no God. We have it. We have it. We have it. And they're, they're really doing that, folks. And they really think they own it all. So God is mocking them and exposing them for who and what they are. And despite that, these folks do not repent. The purpose of the seven bowls of God's wrath is for folks to return back to God after they've come to their senses. And folks, we have to learn what evil is. So we'll never do it again. This is the only way God can teach people with free moral reasoning. And, and sadly, all these people that are mentioned in the book of Revelation that blaspheme God and have the mark, uh, these people keep rejecting God's overtures to come back to him. Revelation chapter 16 verses 10 through 11 reads this, And the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became full of darkness, and they gnawed in their tongues because of the pain, and they blasphemed God of heaven because of their pains and the sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. This is just like the darkness that came over Egypt, but this is far worse. This is very deep darkness. The sunlight is now gone. Everything has been made so foul. The sea is dead. The earth is scorched. There's famine everywhere. A lot of people are dying. The world of the elites who think they control it all is being turned utterly upside down. The world of the Antichrist and his ruling elites' entire plan is now stopped. How? Because, like I said, another third of the world's resources are destroyed along with the human slaves that are needed to maintain the sovereignty of the elite, the very people that John F. Kennedy calls the ruthless elites. The Antichrist is the ultimate narcissist who governs by other narcissists. And it is the nature of a narcissist to turn against their fellow narcissists and those they control and turn against those who they cannot control. So they all blaspheme God whom they can't control. That This makes sense to me because that's what narcissists do. They turn everybody against everybody else. So let's look at this for a minute. This paints a stage. I want you to look at the apocalyptic world of Revelation here. Two-thirds, a little over two-thirds of the world resources and population are gone. The world's elite's new world order is totally turned upside down. Narcissistic leaders are turning against narcissistic leaders. Why? Because the world's resources are short. And they're very angry at God. And to be angry at God, you have to lash out at somebody who believes in God. And that will be the nation of Israel. Because Israel represents those who believe in God. So the world's resources are gone. There's only a few areas where life can be supported. And this points that in the Middle East, life can still be supported. There's still water there. They can still grow crops and make people look toward Israel where life can still be had. And so all the narcissistic leaders in here are going to violate their own moral codes of tolerance and, and, and getting along and building back better in order to go after the world's resources here in order for them and whoever else is left to survive. Revelation chapter 16, 12 says this, And then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up, so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. So it looks like the, the area around the Middle East and the Euphrates still has water, people, and all this stuff, but it's going to be dried up probably because of the scorching heat. So Revelation chapter 16, verse 13 and through 15 speak about an unclean spirit sent out to do signs and wonders, to gather all the narcissistic leaders together for a great day of battle. Against who? The Antichrist or God himself? Well, let's look into this a bit and see if we can figure out, are they coming against the Antichrist? Are they coming against God? Maybe both. Maybe they, they want to go against God, but also go against the Antichrist too. 
any way this could be read here, folks, and I probably both meanings probably fit here somehow, but let's look a, a bit. Bible interprets Bible. Revelation chapter 19, 19 says, They came to make war on the Lord Jesus Christ coming back in the clouds. That's what it says. For this to be brought about, folks, you need great deception. You need great anger. You need to stir up fear and chaos. The same type they used to come to power with is now going to be turned against them and draw them to Israel. It sounds like to me they're actually coming to and are being deceived that to stop Jesus from coming back or go after God's people in order to go after God who did all these things. So these people will have the book of Revelation. They'll know what's going on. And these occultists are so blind to all this. They, they really think they can chop up the world's order because now it's total chaos. And this is their opportunity to actually achieve, you know, Timiat, chop up the chaos monster. Jesus is coming, the chaos monster. We're going to chop him up and we're going to have total victory. We're going to make a new world. I can see these frogs coming out of the mouth to deceive the world. Stuff like that's being spewed out. It appears they know they're a fighting God and know that the Jews worship the God of heaven and are thus deceived into attacking Israel as the means to war against God. So three unclean spirits unite the people of the world, all the narcissistic leaders together, as it says in Revelations 16, verses 13 and 14. Listen, out of the New King James. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are spirits of demons performing signs which go out to the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them to battle of that great day of God Almighty that I read about in Revelations 19. They come to fight Jesus coming in clouds in great glory. The problem is nobody knows when Jesus will come. So it's actually they're coming against the nation of Israel trying to provoke this to happen in my opinion. Okay, so everything's culminating. Are you getting the picture? So unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the mouth of the dragon, the devil, out of the mouth of the beast, the antichrist, out of the mouth of the false prophet. So the unholy trinity is revealed here. And in fact, Robert Utley or Bob Utley's Bible study commentary points out some important things about these verses. And I quote, These three refer to satanic trinity, which will be defeated in two stages. The two beasts in the valley of Megiddo, and Satan at the end of Christ's earthly reign. Three unclean spirit-like frogs. The term unclean is used for in the New Testament gospel to refer to demons. Why they are characterized as frogs has been greatly disputed. Number one, this is a reference to the Egyptian plagues in Exodus chapter 8 verse 6. Number two, this is in reference to Zoroastrianism. Frogs are viewed as the symbol of ultimate evil. Number three, they refer to unclean animals. Are unclean spirits as well, end quote from Utley's Bible study commentary. I'll just add, they possibly refer to the frog gods of Egypt or the goat fist creatures of Mesopotamian mythology. There's a lot of things here. I know it's too much to go, go into right now. I'm not going to go exploring who all these frogs are and all this stuff, but it's quite clear they're demonic spirits that deceive people to come to battle against jesus by attacking israel to provoke jesus to come back so they can chop up who they call the chaos monster which would be jesus is god and chop them up and remake a whole new world there these people really believe the lie despite the fact that two-thirds of their economic base two-thirds of their wealth have been wiped out two-thirds of the population their entire utopic dream is shattered these people think oh wow we this this comes about by chaos by creating, oh, we can control it. So they go forth and attack Israel. I can actually see them being deceived to believe that. Revelation 16, verses 15 and 16 says this out of the New King James. Behold, I'm coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garment. Least he walk naked and they see his shame. And they gather them together to the place in, called in Hebrew Armageddon, or Armageddon, where it says that Jesus is coming back as a thief this alludes to the suddenness of Jesus' second coming. It doesn't refer to the rapture. Jesus said, and I think it's in Luke, I, don't know if it, I can't remember, I'm doing this by memory. I think it's Luke 17 or, or 21. He says, so will it be in one of, one of the days, plural, of the Son of Man. Not singular, days, but days of the Son of Man's return. One is 
as lightning goes from one end of heaven to other to the other that is um, the rapture that Paul writes about in Thessalonians chapter 4 as lightning goes from one end of heaven a uh, sound of a trumpet the dead in Christ rise first and then the Christians the Philadelphian believers are resurrected one taken in the feet in the field one left they're in the same field one taken one left you can figure that one out on your own goes against a lot of people's rapture theories i'm not trying to destroy your rapture theory i'm just saying <laughs> one taken one left go figure what that means but this here verse speaks of the suddenness of the second coming of christ when he comes back sets his foot on the mount of olives and sets up his millennial kingdom that's what this means in the beginning stages, he fights the battle and wipes out evil with the sword of his mouth. We'll get there in Revelation chapter 19. When Israel faces sudden destruction, the armies of the world are coming because they have the last resources, and their backs are against the wall. And soon they're going to see the one who they pierced coming in clouds in great glory, just like the prophets said in the Old Testament. These people are totally without hope. Everything looks lost because all the existing New World Order narcissistic commanders and their armies are gathering against Israel, seeking to wipe them out, who blame God for destroying their perfectly laid plans, and now they understand that they have to come back because this is the final chaos, the final battle. They actually believe this, and they get people to believe it. That's why three frogs, demonic beings, or, or entities go out and deceive these elite, elitists and the nations. They want to wipe out Israel to get rid of God's reason, basically to stay and hang around and be on the earth so that they can chop up God's order, reshape it out of this chaos, and build it back better so that the Lord God becomes their doormat. They actually are believing this is going to happen. And you got to understand, according to the prophetic scriptures, I don't have time to go through all of them, we find in, in the book of the minor prophets and the major prophets that Israel is being was fooled by the Antichrist. Also in the New Testament, Paul speaks about the Antichrist coming into the temple and making a peace treaty and all these things. So Israel is first fooled by the Antichrist. Next, they're betrayed by the Antichrist. And now the world is at war with them because their land has the means to support life. The rest of the world is mostly toast now. All are being gathered into one last battle in order to go after God's people in order to get God to react. That's the picture here. This is total, um, um, uh, man, this is, this is horrible because these people are feeling their backs are against the wall and they're forced to look up and they will see the one whom they pierced will come riding on clouds in great glory as it's written in Revelations 19. And the last battle happens. All this and the last battle happens during the pause between the sixth and seventh bowl of wrath. Okay, Revelation 16, verse 7. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And I'm going to stop right there for a second. Notice he poured it into the air. Air is an elemental spirit in the occult world put that in the back pocket now look at verse 18 and there were noises thundering lightnings and there was a great earthquake such a mighty earthquake that has not occurred since men were on earth this is a kind of amazing piece of scripture with a lot of symbolism in it so you have the last elemental air being identified Baal Zeus a storm god the devil is being representative here in fact, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2 says this, And you whom he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That's the devil. Who the final judgment, that bowl of wrath is going to be unleashed on the devil at some point in time, okay? And it's going to happen. This is the one who thinks he owns it all, who wants to exalt his throne above God's. Look at Revelation 16, verse 19. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. And the great Babylon was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The context seems to indicate that this is Babylon and not Jerusalem. 
not New York City, but a system. And it seems to be a system of many different cities throughout the world. Okay, So when it says that the cities of the nations fell, did you not realize that political control of cities ensures political domination of all the land? All you need to do is control the population centers. And it doesn't matter what people vote or how they think. If you control the cities, the mass populations uh, of the world, you can control it all. You don't need to control the, you just need to control the highest density areas of population so that you can control everything. And that's the idea of a civilized society, okay, that Inki kind of puts out there. The great city is divided into three parts. And this can mean their unity to move all into the unity with the Antichrist is now divided and being broken apart. And like narcissists begin to fight against each other. These elites and the Antichrist came to power to take over the world through the use of chaos, disorder, and fear, and intimidation to unite all to their will and the use of political power coming through controlling highly densulated population centers known as cities. Everything that, that brought them to power is now being poured out on them big time. We'll see that in Revelation chapter 17 and 18 how that plays out. There's a Babylonian system that exists in every city. Every major city or maybe every major capital you can call Babylon and not be wrong. Principalities love to take over cities. We have in ancient mythologies uh, you know, that these these gods form city-states and they form highly populated centers called cities to control the outlying land. It doesn't matter what the rural people thought, how they, they wanted freedom. That didn't matter. You, you control the city, you control the wealth, you control the power, you control the land. Now the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. So the great city Babylon was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Because the cities of the nations that fell <laughs> are part of the Babylonian system of the Babylonian city. Now that nation is divided. All the world's elites and the narcissists are beginning to fight against each other. Okay. Look at Revelation chapter 16, verse 20. Then every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And then great hail from heaven fell upon men, each hailstone about a weight of a talent. Men blasphemed God for the plague of hail, since that plague was exceedingly great. If you look at the Baal cycle, or the Baal storm god, Hadad, you look at uh, Zeus, you look at some of these empty storm god entities, there, and you look at Lucifer, the goal is to kill, steal, rob, and destroy by the use of lies and deception. His real motive right now through these hailstones upon these people exposes for who and what they are. And yet, and yet the people still don't get there being deceived willingly to enter into hell. They continue to blaspheme because they're really sold that the devil has all the answers and they'd rather live in hell in a place of chaos and disorder. And they're thinking that they're going to achieve final victory. People are like that. They actually believe that they can achieve, when they achieve some final victory. Even after everything is pulled out from under them, they can still believe that. And this be why? Because those frogs were released and they have been deceived to believe a lie. And so the principality of the air is being judged. The devil, the storm god, who controls storm. And we see a storm here, great hailstones saying, you ain't all that. And then later we'll see the devil cast into hell for a thousand years. And, and later he's going to be released. Now I do not know when he'll be released. It involves the last trumpet or if that involves the last uh, bowl of wrath. I don't know. It makes sense that it, it would occur then. It may not. I don't know. I, someone asked me a question about that a while back. And I have to ask, actually, I do not know uh, when the, the seventh bowl will happen and the seventh trumpet and the seventh seal will all happen. It's possible before or after the devil comes is released so they can nail the coffin to the devil and he throw it in the lake of fire after a thousand year reign. But I, I don't know. I don't know all the ends and specifics about that. I'm just trying to answer a question and my answer is I don't know. <laughs> anyway. I better continue on here. I'm going to end with this. The dramatic events of Revelations chapter 16 and 21 
are explained in the narratives that are seen in Revelations chapter 17 and 18, especially about the cities and the Babylonian system that's over the cities. And then it talks about a particular city. A lot of people identified this as Rome, but this city is a city over all cities. And yeah, it could be Rome. It could be, but it's also the Babylonian system is in every uh, nation state capital in the world. We're actually going to explore that as we get to Revelations chapter 17, 18 in a little more detail. I know what I said is a complete mouthful, and it's probably a lot to try to digest, but we'll pick up next week on the Christian Marauder again. I just want to say, let me roll out the video with my contact and support info if you'd like to help me out. And all I can say is, this is a dramatic book here. It is a lot in here. And I look at the, the uh, air spirit, the principality of the air being judged here, and hailstones in verse 21 falling on them. I see a great earthquake. I see again a judgment of the elemental of the earth. The devil thinks he controls the earth. Here's the symbolism. So there's a great earthquake like none has ever seen. Islands vanish. Mountains fall. Nothing like this is seen in since seen by man ever before. It's going to happen. So it symbolizes devil. You don't control the earth. You can't do this. You ain't it. You ain't all that. So that's what's being symbolized here. And during the pause between the sixth bowl and the seventh bowl was when all this happens. Okay, and everything that happens in Revelation chapter sixteen, seventeen. And 19 happened during the pause between the 6th bowl and the 7th bowl. And we'll see it. It's actually in there. You'll look at it. You can go ahead and read it. This is pretty plain. With that, I'm going to go ahead and go. And, you know, if you want to support me, see my video here as it's rolled out. You be blessed in Jesus' name.